Hello, happy humans. It's Greg Kettner with the Work Happy Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. All right, everybody. Hey, uh, I'm going to do it again. Hello, everybody. Working. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Uh, you got this. Uh, I know. It's Brock Hendricks, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody. It's Greg Kettner with the Work Happy Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. The podcast where we talk about how to work happy so we can be more productive, have more fun, have better mental health. And today's guest, a uh, very special guest, a new friend of mine. Uh, he's been in sales for quite some time. He sold for the Utah Jazz, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Salt Lake Bees. I'm assuming a, a minor league baseball team. And now he is uh, the premium sales managers at AEG, which uh, includes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rock, but the Kings, the Lakers, the Clippers, and uh, the WNBA team. Yeah, that's I correct. Know. I love the introduction. Yeah, that those are all the organizations I've heard the Sparks, yes, yeah. that's our. Those are our babies, the LA Sparks. So, yeah. I, I work for Staples Center. I work for AEG. We manage the Lakers, the Clippers, and Kings, all their premium assets. And then I have a podcast about jobs in sports called Hot Coffee, Cold Beer, where we sit down for coffee or beer with these people that have made a career for themselves in in the sports industry. But it's wonderful to be on. I appreciate you having me. No, well, thanks for being here. And you also uh, you do a lot of mentorship. I was just looking. Uh, there's five different. Uh, is it five? Mentor to five plus university sports management programs. When do you have time to sleep? Uh, you don't. That's the, <laughs> that's the sports industry is you sleep, you sleep one day when you're dead, when you retire, yeah. but yeah. no. Yeah, no, I love it. That's basically the whole reason we have a podcast is because, you know, mentorship is super important to me. No, nobody gets there alone, right? Everybody yeah. needs a roadmap. So we were ending up like, when I say we, it's just this Staples Center thing that's ingrained in my yeah. brain. Everything I do, we do, right? Yeah. It, when somebody does something in our building, it's not they did it, we did it. And that's that's the universal theme. So I know when I say we, often I will mean me, but that's just what's been engraved in my in my brain. I, I started getting a call or a message on LinkedIn or something from a young person, either in a different industry or someone in college that wanted to learn about working in sports. So what I did was I, I ended up just making a show for them, just going, hey, this is everything about the sports industry. This is every human you, you will meet. This is how you network. This is how you get in. This is how you grow. So that's what the show's root origin is. It's all out of humility. I'm really lucky to have this industry, and I hope I can pave the way for others to get in like I did. What, uh, what does work happy mean to you, Brock? And how do, how do you tend to have, I mean, not every day is rosy, but how do you work happy? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great thing to pose for an entire podcast when you think about it. It's how do you live harmoniously in, in work-life balance? Because I think if you think about it conceptually, the idea that an American works more than they live is often a big reason why somebody wouldn't be happy. So the idea of combining work and being happy is a really important thing to be aware of. I think what it means to me is it's all about process, in my opinion. In my entire battle with mental health and, and my problems that, that I've had in, in, in my life in, in that battle, it's all about finding processes. People learn very differently. People are very different. In fact, two people with the same mental health disorder might operate and behave very differently, right? Mm -hmm. My sister has bipolar 2 disorder. I have bipolar 2 disorder. It affects us two very different ways. And we're two very different humans. I am a super organized person. I need structure. I need something to be 
if I want three minutes in my day to do something, I have to organize it into my day. That's the kind of person yeah. I am. My little sister isn't that way. She is. She does a lot better with free time and flexibility. Hey, here's a whole list of things you have to do through the day without there being a time. Hey, you have to do this by 10 a.m., this by noon. That's just how she works. What yeah. work happy means to me is finding that balance of what that means for you. Figure out how you learn. Figure out where you're happiest and most productive. And then walk that line. I think with mental health especially, one of the biggest I think antagonists against mental health is ourselves, is our worry. So sometimes just action is enough, right? The I can't remember the quote. The the uh, the antagonist of anxiety is activity. Just try something. Just keep keep attempting to find your system. And hell, I'm 30 years in and I'm still finding it. But you've got to keep trying, right? There's no other there's no other option. So yeah. work happy to me means finding that way, finding that system. How do I work best? How can I do this job that I have to do? Because Americans, we just work ourselves to death. You have to work. How do you find a way to do it harmoniously in, in your own way? Yeah, and, and one other thing on that is that I, I think sometimes work, depending on what you're doing, forces you to be one of, one of those two ways, right? Yep. So in my world, I don't think I started off as a need-to-be-organized person, but I'm in this high-stress fast-paced sales world where everything in our world is structured like that. So therefore, I just kind of adopted my mental health strategy to try that and see if it worked. And it turns out it does. It, it keeps me productive and it keeps me healthy. Yeah. That, was my, that was my way, right? So in Work Happy, I think it's finding that blend of, that. you know, if you find yourself changing, not for the good, if you're not changing for the better because of your work environment, there's an internal audit that needs to happen where you need to look at your life and go, is this allowing me to do either one? Am yeah. I able to work or am I just, you know, is it just work and I'm not happy? Yeah. So thinking about how that process might change you based on the job you're in is, is super important to keep a track of. Yeah. Now I know that, um, you know, this, this work happy idea and, and you've had it for quite some time, it, you know how to work happy now. Is it refining the processes now that you're with with Staples Center, because I would imagine when you were the Salt Salt Lake Bees, you might be happy, but it wasn't that high pressure. You may not have had to have that schedule. So is yeah. it once you find your your lane or your highway? Yeah, you're always changing as a human. Life circumstances, the environment, how the the planet's changing. Every single part of our lives changes. Change okay. is inevitable. So you have to be able to, to adapt with the changes and figure out what this, this, uh, what I did with the Dodgers was probably a totally different thing that I'm doing now. And same could be said about, about Salt Lake Bees, about the minor league baseball team, very yeah. different missions and very different things, very different jobs. So, so the, the, I think key underliner there is how do you like, how do you motivate yourself yeah. in just life? Are you happy with the job you're doing? And can that lead to you having a happier life and vice versa, right? Don't, don't pick or choose. But yeah, I think that, that it has changed throughout the course of history because, you know, you're doing very different things when you're selling minor league baseball tickets as you are when you're selling million-dollar suite leases. Yeah, no, exactly. There's a, there's a huge, huge difference. Now, on, on the mental health, when, when did you find out? I'm just curious, you know, for listeners, if people are listening to this and like, well, you know, I've, I've struggled, but I didn't know what to do. What, when did that come and, and did you reach out to somebody? Did you talk to somebody? How did that work out for you so other people can learn? 
or if they're asking that same question. Yeah, I was diagnosed really young with bipolar disorder. And it's actually funny. I, I The difference between bipolar one disorder and bipolar two disorder is that bipolar is manic and aggressive and you often lash out and there's, there's super high peaks. Okay. And bipolar two is more depressive where you don't have a, a, a terrible behavioral reactive, but you're just, you're just sad. Okay. And I felt that change over time, but I was diagnosed with bipolar one when I was really young. I think I was nine years old at the time. My mother's father was bipolar undiagnosed, you know, in the, in the thirties and fifties when that wasn't a thing. Yeah. And then my mom was diagnosed, you know, when she was, you know, it, out of high school. So she yeah. found out late. So when she started noticing patterns in my life that were that way, she was very quick to, to get help. And I was super lucky. I don't think I'd be anywhere in my mental health recovery journey without really early adoption. That helps me a tremendous amount, but not everybody has that luxury. Not everybody knows when they're eight, not everybody has a mom that has the same disorder that can, can pick it apart and, and recognize it. So yeah, getting the second you feel like you may have something in you, I would just recommend talking about it with somebody. Everybody's different, right? Is it a trusted friend? Is it a trusted coworker or your boss? Yeah. If you're too scared to talk to your boss or your friends, hire a therapist. Therapist is the best money you'll ever spend in your life because it's somebody you are paying to help you develop emotional intelligence and, and understanding of what you have going on in these chemical reactions. The things you can't control, they'll they are helping you give words to those things you can't control. So for me, it, it was really early on and things just developed. I'm also dyslexic. So when I was really young, I learned that I just couldn't read words in order. They would get jumbled up. And, um, and I have ADHD, so I have trouble staying focused on particular things. Yeah. For, for me, I think it's, it was understanding early on. The, the benefit that I had was that this just became a part of life. This is just something you have to deal with. And from an early age, you just learn that, hey, this is something you're going to have for the rest of your life, and there's no way around it. You've just got to find a way to make it work. And if you find out you have mental health issues or uh, uh, like later on in your life, you know, you don't have those things. You don't have these years of a runway. So instead, figure out how to adapt and get help then. But there's nothing wrong with with identifying that you have mental health problems. Yeah. Um, I got really lucky that it was just always ingrained in in really young. Hey, this is what you're going to have to do to survive. This is just it yeah. versus somebody discovering they have a mental health problem at 35 and not realizing that it has affected them for 35 years. Okay, now how do I move forward with this? So get help, try something that can help. Yeah. Therapy is probably your best bet. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I appreciate people like you who are willing to share, right? Because like you said, with your grandfather back in the 30s, nobody talked about it, right? And now people like you and, and, and others like Theo Fleury uh, from the former NHL player, are out there talking about it and helping people. And when we talk about it, you know, my, my stepdaughter lost her dad to suicide three years ago. Right. So I never thought that would in a million years would be something that would happen. But like you said, I mean, reaching out, talking to people, um, going and getting help, hiring a therapist or whatnot is, has been so valuable, not only in, in, in her life, but in mine and my wife's as well too. Right. Because we're, we're a family. And so we're in it, in it to win it all of us, but, but reaching out and, and having a professional to talk to is so key. I think you'd be surprised at how many people have experiences with mental health. Maybe they don't have it themselves, 
Yep. But in your example, right, you are one degree of separation from somebody who suffered a tragic loss because that person did. So it, it's okay to have those conversations because someone out there might be feeling the exact same way you are yep. and has no idea how to talk about it. But if you open that door, you never know what's, what's going to come from it. Yeah. So talk about it. Be very open to talking about it it's only positive can come from those conversations yeah and it's not shame in people well it's a weakness it's not a weakness it's an actual condition and by you know i mean even simone biles stepping out you're on the world stage and sharing what she shared that takes guts that takes strength that takes i i don't know what she has but i applaud her right because she said i got to take care of my mental health first gymnastics come second and and that's more the message that you know, not only you and I need to hear, but the, the kids. How's that for a work happy message from Simone Biles? Think about it. Like, hey, I can't work because yeah. of this inability I, I have. It, it's just the first time I think a lot of us have seen that. It's going to spark a lot of really important conversations about mental health and how to stay balanced. She yeah. probably, I can't imagine how much of your life you sacrifice being an Olympic athlete. So I really can't imagine how much of your mental health you've had to put second because there is one daunting task. You have four years to train for one activity. I, I am sure everything else comes second for everything else coming second for four years, including your mental health can have insane toll. So, so learn from it. Look at that example and, and learn how that can help you, how, yeah. how to not do that. Yeah. How do you, I, you work with, you know, like you said, you sell season tickets and up to the million dollar suite leases and stuff. How do you, when you're having a shit day, how do you like, do you do, do you have a routine? Like, is it meditation or do you, you know, watch YouTube and until you start laughing and feel again, what, what works for Brock to work out? Yeah, I consume routine? comedy pretty much all day. That is one of the keys to me. Music and comedy are two yeah. things that can, that can help combat my mood. So I am constantly listening to music or, or in taking comedy just to kind of offset those things. Because especially when you have, you know, depressive tendencies like I do, yeah. uh, you know, you can be stuck in those places. So what do you find that can pull, pull you out? The best practice I have found to get out of mental health on, on shit days yeah. is just how do you get out of your own head? A lot of people resort to terrible things for that. That's how people develop, you know, alcoholic tendencies or addiction to drugs. So what kind of productive outlets do you have that can, that can help you just get out of your own head for a while? I did find running. If I, if I just go on a treadmill and I, and I fuck around on my phone for a little bit yep. for, for, I can just run for three miles and now I'm getting a really productive activity. Yep. I'm doing something healthy and I'm just out of my mind for 30 minutes, 45 minutes where you are out of your own head and you're getting out of your own way. And every so often you find a new outlet. There are things that work for me. I go through random patterns where like video games help. And then for, for random periods, they don't. So it's again, going back to activity, just try something, right? Find something that can just kind of get you out of your own head for even, you know, a couple of hours to just get by. Meditating has been super productive. Yep. I have a couple of really close people in my life that I can basically just call and say, hey, you know, help me get out of this. What do you, what do you got going on? Tell me about what's up with your life. Yep. The last trick I, I found recently was I started asking people on days where I don't have wins, I ask my people what their wins are. Oh, that's great. So on a day, right, where I am just down in the dumps, my mental health is overcome, music can't get me out of it. My normal practices can't get me out of it. I will text close people in my life and say, 
hey, I just need a win today. I'm in a, I'm in a weird place. Yeah. I need a win today. Your wins are always my wins. What did you have today? And it's so cool to see the things people say back because sometimes they're really small. Sometimes like someone hit me the other day and they went, I've been looking for this one pair of shoes for three years. It's just this, this clothing item I've really wanted. I haven't been able to find it for three years. I found it yesterday and it's just made my day. That's a, that's a little win that goes a big way in them. And just kind of adopting that, that good positive energy, I think is enough to help you get out of your own head and steer back into the right way. And then there's sometimes like, you know, I had a friend tell me that she was pregnant and that was her big win. So it ranges from everything in between, but especially when you're doing it for other people, because if you are having a shit day, someone else might not be, and they can help pull you out of it. Yeah, no, that's great. And it, it's always good to have, have those, those friends. I, I know I had a guy reach out to me, uh, an uh, old friend from 20 years ago and we've loosely kept in contact but he said you know what just watching the positivity that i've been doing on social networking and, and the podcast um and he's hit rock bottom and and he said thank you for doing what you do and he, he called me like 11 o'clock and goes i just need someone to talk to and it was it was an awesome conversation you know two middle-aged dudes having a having a conversation and at one point i was almost in tears but that's life and and when we can have those conversations I'm, I'm helping you out today. He's going to help me out next time, you know? So it's, it's back and forth. Yeah. People need other people. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's to feel less alone. Sometimes it's to feel not alone at all, but yeah, you need other people. You're not going anywhere in this world alone. Yeah. It's just, it's just the fact you need other people to get where you're trying to go and where, and they need you to get where they're trying to go. And that's just a, a, a common thing. Mental health will make you feel so alone. Yeah. It, it will depress you to the point where you think that you are nothing and you need other people to help remind you and kind of metaphorically smack you around a little bit and yeah. go, no, you are, Hey, wake you up. Are worth it. Yeah. yeah. Never forget how important your story is to somebody else. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned in this battle of mental health is any moment that you feel your lowest. If you feel that way, there's a chemical imbalance in your going on in your body. There are things out of your control, making you feel that way. You don't get a say whether you have that feeling of that low, low feeling. That's just something we as people battling mental health have to deal with. But that's not how other people look at it. No matter where you are in life, my mom has this saying, show me anyone in the world, someone in the world loves them. Yeah. Any, anyone on the street, any person in the world, somebody loves them. You need other people in your life to be able to, to, to keep that sort of humility. Um, and humility will help pull you up on your low moments when, when you're feeling that way, somebody else's realizing how important you are to somebody else's life can really help change the way that you look at yourself in that moment. How do you keep your guys happy, motivated? Any, I, any tips or tricks? Yeah, I listen, I think it is as simple as every one of your employees has to look at themselves at one point, right? And just ask themselves the question, I'm sure this comes up whether you work for a company for a week or for 36 years. At some point, you have a conversation internally where you go, does my boss give a fuck about me? Or like, <laughs> maybe not even your boss. Does the person next to me in the yeah. trenches, do they care about yeah. what's going on in my life? Dude, my, our director of business intelligence knows my cat's name, and, and, you know, and I know everything going on in his life and vice versa about every person in our office. Yeah. So uh, setting up that level of camaraderie, knowing that everyone in our office cares genuinely about everyone in the office, that goes a long way. When I get a call from a different team or a different life or a higher paying job 
those are the things you think about, right? So I want our people to think about it that way too. I, I don't want them to ever have a doubt when they walk into the offices that they're about to go to war. That's what sales feels like sometimes, yeah. especially yeah. in the mental health world. <laughs> when they go to, when they're going to go to war for this cause that we all have to do, how can I make that easier? How can I make that a little bit more manageable? And if they know that I genuinely care about their feedback and their, their wisdom and what they feel in the job, I think that goes a long, a long way. So it's, it's just the, the million dollar question of like, does the, do the people and the cause of the job, do they actually care about you back? Yeah. And that's rare. That, that, that's spot on, right? That's great. Because I've had many jobs and, and some sports jobs where people didn't care. And the job when I was, you know, selling tickets and suites for the Canucks, best job ever. Because my boss knew me. Um, he knew when I was having a bad day. And he literally, he would walk by and pat you on the back and say, hey, great job on the season tickets. Keep it up. Yeah. You know? And, and you walk through a brick and, and that's, you know, a, another part of working happy is when you create a culture like that, people don't want to leave, right? Why would I go somewhere else, move, leave my friends, leave my job uh, for an extra five grand a year. And I, the, that culture there isn't the same. Yeah. But you know, when they do that five grand looks super appealing to somebody who's unhappy with their job. Five oh. grand looks like the world. I get to leave this negative thing that I don't like and move and get get more somewhere else. Yeah. And and you don't even think about those things. I've passed up 30 grand, somewhere between 30 to 80 grand more yeah. in salary to stay at the job that I have now over the past four years. Yeah. Like there have been different opportunities to leave and gain that much more money. And that's the number value that you didn't even know existed of how much are you willing to pass up if, if you actually care, if somebody actually cares, right? Because at a certain point, I think employees are willing to give up their work-life balance. They're willing to compromise the happy part of the work happy yep. phrase if they believe that their job genuinely cares about them and that the cause of the job is important, right? Sports is a really easy cause to get behind. I'm going to go make the Lakers money. I'm going to go I'm going to go make an impact on the Clippers and Kings. You kidding me? I'll get up at 5 a.m. for that job every day. But the second you ever have to doubt whether that job loves you back, that's when something as simple as five grand in revenue or, or five grand in a raise is enough to make you go, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go elsewhere. And that's really sad that you can't find this. I, I talked to a company. So we work with, man, hundreds of companies that just use our suites and our club seats for employee retention. It's an employee piece, right? LA is a transient city. So if your average, your middle of the road sales guy is from Dallas, how do you make sure he goes to Clippers Mavericks? That's the biggest game of the year to him or, or, you know, King stars to you or I, it might be like a, like a penguins game, or it might be Lakers Celtics, but to that employee from Salt Lake city, they actually care more about Clippers jazz than they do about Lakers Celtics. Right. So just paying attention to those kind of things. I had somebody tell me at a, at a big company in Los Angeles, you'd be shocked at, this, at the level of, of how huge this company is. One of the things they do is they pay for everyone's turkey on Thanksgiving. It's wow. something super simple yep. that goes a very long way just to know that, hey, yeah, we care about how your experience is and we care about contributing to your holiday. A day we're going to pay you to not work. We care about how you experience that day. Yeah. That goes such a long way. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a company that gets work happy, right? Same with you guys at AE, AEG, right? 
if you're passing up that kind of salary because you love your job, you love your cause, you love the people you go to fight with every day in that battle of sales, you're, you're working happy. And that means a lot. It really does. Believe me, it, it's the thing. These are the things I think about when, when you get calls from other teams. Yeah. When you, get, when you get other opportunities, and I'm not saying that nothing else in the world has been appealing. Yeah. But I am saying when you go down that process and, and you look around and see how green the grass is, these are the things you think about before you picture yourself in another job. Yeah. Some super simple things you can do as a workplace, like caring about your employees, like knowing enough about them by not treating them like a number. It, one other thing I think we do a particularly good job of at Staples Center is just the idea of with everyone being so different, what's the most important thing to that person? Yeah. Because I think a lot of companies do this. They go, oh, you're a high contributing salesperson. Well, we gave you the big desk. We made sure that you got the biggest desk in the office. But what if that person doesn't care about the big desk? The person actually looks at that and goes, well, I'm far away from my teammates. I'd rather be one office away from you in a smaller run than the big office far away. Does that matter to that person? And the answer is different with everyone. Yeah. But do you know that about your employees? Do you know that, hey, this employee, all they care about are these two things, money and, and coaching their kids softball. That, that's all they care about. Well, then don't get in the way of those two things. Don't get in the way of that sales guy going to coach his daughter's softball team or his money, and you're going to be fine. The big desk doesn't matter to him. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's perfect. Hey, what, before we wrap this up, what's, uh, what's one piece of advice that you could share with another, let's say another manager? On, on how to work happy. I know you've given a lot of good nuggets, but is there one that stands out that they can do tomorrow? Yeah, the, the best advice I ever got in my life was pay attention to the things that matter and move to you because a lot of the biggest stories in the world start start super small. Yeah. So big stories like, you know, I didn't, I noticed really early on that mentoring was a big thing. I liked giving kids feedback and showing them the road of how I got to where I went. And then that leading one day, I'm gonna, I looked back and connected all the dots looking, back, looking backwards and went, well, I've just been doing this for free for six years. I should start a podcast that grows this community of people that want that same. And I, now they are, I'm more accessible to them. And this is the passion, right? This is what I, I feel really good about doing in my life. So, so something as small as, you know what? I liked giving advice to a kid and helping them get a job in sports led to this. Something small grew into something big, right? So pay attention to these moments in life that move you to your core because they're probably telling you something. And I think it has been a huge advantage to my mental health issues is having a purpose to fall back on that on the days, right, where I feel my worst on some of my most suicidal moments, I couldn't go because I had more work to do. Yeah. I had this cause to do. I had this thing that was important to me and I'm following it. Whatever that is for you, if, if you pick up a magnet and you go, oh my God, this is really special to me. I think I'm going to start collecting magnets. And that brings you happiness. It's a really small, obscure example. I'm just, you know, almost unexaggerating to make a point, figure out what that is for you. And when you find it, don't dismiss it, follow it, go down that path. And you never know where it's going to go. And it it may be a huge piece of getting out of your own way in your mental health battles. It, It may end up becoming something you can compartmentalize these, these awful things that happen in your head. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Brock. That's, it has been a powerful conversation. I appreciate you opening up to our listeners and to me. 
I appreciate the friendship and it's great to hear what you guys are doing there. You, you, you get it, right. You have a passion, you have a mission and you on your own, you know, making your corporate clients happy, but also mentoring these kids coming up. And I, I think it's just absolutely wonderful. So thank you for sharing with us. So, so happy to be on, man. I, I love the positivity you're putting into the world. Keep it up, keep finding ways to, to pay it forward and, and really appreciate the work you're doing, man. Thanks again, Brock, for being on the Work Happy podcast. Uh, it's just amazing talking to these people, learning from them the knowledge that they have, and it's so great to hear that Brock is doing the steps every day to do what he needs to do to take care of his mental health, but yet he also has in mind his vision for his life, for helping others, for mentoring other people in sports, and his podcast as well. So thanks again, Brock. I appreciate it. If you need to reach out to Brock, you can reach him on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way to get a hold of him. But thank you all for listening. Please do not forget to leave us a five-star review on your phone app uh, under podcast. Share this with your friends and keep on listening. And go out there and have a great day. Cheers.